Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, Ireland has long been mooted as a potential hub for offshore wind activity and now in an effort to harness its potential, Enterprise Ireland has launched the Gale Offshore Network. Liam Curran is a senior technologist with Enterprise Ireland and he joins us now to tell us more. Liam, what can you tell us about the Gale Offshore Network? Good morning, Carol. So what we've done there is we have pulled together all the Irish SMEs and Irish industrial capability that we can find in the offshore wind industry. And we've bundle those together, if you like, into our Gale offshore network. So we have a group of companies there that cover all sorts of areas of an offshore wind farm. They cover things like seabed surveys, installation, the uh, grid infrastructure required on shore, harbour upgrades, vessels, all those kind of multiple areas of, of interest to the industry. We're focusing that capability for the moment, um, particularly into the UK industry, uh, but we're very aware of projects in the Irish Sea and the need for uh, the maximum possible local content in those, um, in those projects. So we want to build the capability in the UK industry, which are the world leaders, and subsequently bring that capability home then um, for uh, local content in those Irish projects. And of course, there's huge opportunities here in Ireland for offshore wind, but many will say that we're behind the curve in relation to it. So what's happening from a government perspective to break down some of the barriers that are holding us up with this opportunity? So there's three key and key areas we need to address, Carl. Um, one is the permitting system. So this is, the, if you like, planning permission for the ocean. And that's been addressed by a new bill, uh, the MAP bill, uh, or the MAP Act, actually. It's gone through the doll at this stage and it's, it's working its way through the system. Um, so that will give us a fit for, for purpose permitting system. Second area we need to work on is pricing, and we will have what's called an ORES auction, which is a, an auction of electricity from offshore wind uh, in Q4 of this year. So that will set the price, and that's a critical piece because the developers need to know what the price they, they will be paid per megawatt is going to be. The third element is around a grid. So we need to strengthen our grid um, to take all this additional electricity coming from offshore wind. And AirGrid are already working and planning uh, for um, these projects in the Irish Sea and will be upgrading the grid uh, to meet the capability and needs of of those projects. And in terms of job opportunities in the offshore wind space, I think they could be put into three particular baskets. The first one is development, secondly, construction, and then thirdly, operation and maintenance. Can you provide us with some meat on the bone of those? Yeah, sure. So when we talk about development, what we're talking about is the initial work uh, ahead of construction of the actual wind farm. So this is a phase that could last anything up to four, five, six years. And it includes everything um, like assessing the the wind resource out there. So where does the wind blow from? How consistently does it blow? What speed does it blow at? Um, And things like the seabed, you know, is the seabed, is it sand? Is it gravel? Is it mud? Is it rock? Where Where can you put the foundation for an offshore wind turbine? Where can you not? Um, where can you use a jack-up vessel? Where can you not? How do you get the cables to shore? So what's the best route to shore? Considering you've got to trench these cables to keep them safe on the seabed. Um, where do you bring the cable ashore? How do you run it through a substation on shore? How do you get it onto the grid? 
So there's lots and lots of planning work required, and this is the development phase. And we would have a number of companies that, that would work in that area. Um, you know, companies like Sure Engineering, H&MB Engineering, um, they would do the onshore substation and the grid engineering piece. Other companies that we have, like X-Ocean, uh, would have uh, drone boats, basically. They can survey the seabed and, and look at the seabed and, and work out what it is. You know, is it sand? Is it gravel? Um, and and can identify kind of the best locations uh, to put in the foundations for these offshore wind turbines. So that, that's development. And, and like I say, that can take anything up to, you know, four, five, six years. It also, by the way, includes things like financial services, planning, environmental consultancy, and so on. So th- there's lots of opportunities in that in that piece. The second phase of an offshore wind farm then is construction, which is arguably the most dramatic phase. And this is where the, the systems are actually put into the sea and, and you know, large vessels um, from the likes of the Netherlands will be installing those systems uh, in time and, and um, you know, putting on the turbines, putting on the blades. Uh, so there's ancillary work uh, around fabrication, around ports, around vessels and so on for those uh, for that phase. That typically for a 500 megawatt farm, which is your typical farm, it's about 80, 90 turbines somewhere in that region. Um, that typically lasts about two years. So that's construction. The third phase, and this is one that's really interesting from an Enterprise Ireland point of view, is operation and maintenance, O&M in, in the jargon of the industry. And O&M, an offshore wind farm typically lasts for about 25 years. Um, if you have a 500 megawatt farm, which, like I say, is pretty typical, your O&M requirement will be somewhere in the region of about 70 to 90 people. Um, you'll need vessels, you'll need highly skilled, well-paid people, um, you know, and they do the maintenance on those turbine systems or, or they provide vessels and, and crews and so on. And we've seen this in the UK where... Um, this kind of O&M work brings really valuable employment to small coastal communities. Um, it's a real boon for um, for coastal communities. This is an industry which, by definition, cannot be based in the Greater Dublin area. Uh, it has to be based around the coast, and this is where Enterprise Ireland sees one of its key advantages. Um, this is a highly valuable industry from a regional employment point of view. And just on that very topic, Liam, of course, we're here in Wexford and very close by is, of course, Rosslare, your report. It's the jewel in our crown from an infrastructural perspective here in Wexford. And we want to make sure that we can maximise this offshore wind energy opportunity here for our community. What do we need to do in order to execute that? So, yeah, um, Irish Rail have, have put forward a plan uh, where they plan to build a base for the offshore wind industry in Rosslare. Um, and, and, and that's something that, that, you know, will help to bring the industry to that part of the world. Um, it, it's looking at it, they're, what they're looking at is the construction port, um, but also there would be an operation and maintenance base there as well. So construction port is, is basically where um, the turbines and the blades and the towers and so on come in initially. Um, they're pre-assembled in port and then they're taken back out and installed onto the actual wind farm. 
Um, so employment around that type of activity would involve a, a lot of port-based activity. Additional fabrication will be required. There will be painting, uh, for example, required. So you need active platforms, you need cranes, um, you'll need vessels, you'll need people that are skilled in handling all those things. Um, and then from an O&M perspective, like I say, potentially 25-year um, lifespan on those offshore wind farms. So we're going to need highly skilled, well-paid jobs uh, in terms of, of maintenance technicians and so on. Um, so, yes, uh, one of the things that we have seen in the UK, in places like Lowestoft and in places like Hull, is, is that if we can create a critical mass of companies in a port area, um, that uh, creates a, a go-to area, if you like. That becomes the go-to area for the industry. And you you have people who can fabricate, you can people who provide vessels, you've got people who can provide training for maintenance technicians and so on. So we've seen that these clusters of industrial um, capability based in ports along the east coast of the UK and Scotland have been hugely beneficial to local coastal communities there in terms of employment. And Liam, is it true to say that given the scale of the opportunity ahead of us and given the fact that the government has targeted the production of 7 gigawatts of offshore wind energy by 2030, that there will be immense opportunities for many coastal counties across the country of Ireland? Absolutely. I've been in the marine industry for 35 uh, years at this stage. This is the single greatest opportunity we have ever seen in the marine sector. Ireland's sea area, many of your listeners will know this, uh, is somewhere in the region of about seven to eight times its land area. Um, so it's also, by the way, the best offshore wind resource in Europe. And the wind blows consistently, blows consistently at the right height, and blows consistently at the right height over sea level. So it, it's an ideal resource. And... Um, there is, in, in terms of, of projects that are emerging, um, even within Ireland, never mind internationally, there is just huge opportunity here uh, for people with the right skills um, to be part of, of this industry. Liam, when Enterprise Ireland launched the Gale Offshore Network back in June, you had a number of UK developers who attended that event. What did they have to say about this opportunity here in Ireland? So, yeah, they, they were very keen to be part of, of the industry here. Um, what they also told us was that um, there is currently so much um, so much work internationally that supply chain is constricted. Um, so everybody is looking for capability on an international level. There are projects up and down the east coast of the UK. There are projects in the Baltic Sea. There are projects in the Mediterranean, Vietnam, Taiwan, Australia, um, Japan, east coast of the US, um, there are projects all over the globe at the moment. And those are bottom fixed projects. What are emerging are floating offshore wind projects in water deeper than 50 to 60 metres. And for those, as you can imagine, um, effectively the world's your oyster. You're no longer limited to the relatively shallow water like we have on, on the Irish east coast. Uh, floating offshore um, wind can be deployed, you know, off the Celtic Sea and will be deployed in time here off the west coast of Ireland. Again, with huge opportunities there um, based around ports. 
to to service and to indeed even construct and deploy um, those very large pieces of equipment. And what type of companies should be looking at this particular space to look at adapting their own business to take advantage of this over the coming years? Well, I suppose, yeah, it, it's a great question. Um, what we've seen in our Gale Offshore Network is, is basically four groups of companies, if you like. The first group are companies that would already be in the industry and, and understand the industry and have a capability there. Um, so we'd have the likes of Gavin and Doherty Geo Solutions, who work globally in the industry. We'd have X-Ocean. We would have Inland and Coastal Marina Services. Those guys um, provide pontoon systems and docking systems for crew transfer vessels, which are the buses of the industry. So that group of companies are already well-established in the industry and, and have a lot of capability. Second group is around the onshore element of these projects. So you're going to need a lot of harbour upgrades. So there's opportunities there for civil engineering companies. We're going to need a lot of grid infrastructure. So we're going. To, so there's opportunities there for the likes of Shore Engineering and the HNMB and all those companies who can build substations and do grid engineering. Third group are, are companies that are in the broader marine engineering space. So there's a lot of marine engineering capability associated, for example, with the pelagic fishing industry and, and indeed the whitefish industry. And that capability can turn its hand to things like fabrication for the offshore wind industry. And fourth area that we see is an interesting one. It, it's digital. So we're going to need, because these systems are going to be offshore, and in some cases a long distance offshore, we're going to need to be able to communicate with those systems. We're going to be able to need to monitor them in real time. So we're going to need IoT, connectivity, comm systems, Internet of Things, robotic systems. Um, there's a huge opportunity here for Ireland to take its digital capability and to pivot it into offshore wind and become the go-to guys for the digital element of offshore, of offshore wind. And Liam, what is Enterprise Ireland doing from a practical perspective to build capacity and capability in Irish enterprises to be able to take this opportunity seriously? Yeah, so what we've been doing is we've been working on this sector for about four years at this stage. What we've done is pull together all the national capability that we can find, but also what we're doing is working overseas. A colleague of mine, Dara Cotter, who's based in London office, uh, EI's London office, he's been actively working on the UK market and making people in the UK aware of the opportunity, uh, or, or sorry, of the capability of Irish companies in this sector. And other colleagues in other markets uh, have also been looking at the local markets there, understanding um, where those projects are, um, you know, what size they are, what capability they're going to need. And again, making what we do is we make Irish companies aware of those opportunities. We also bring in a uh, developers and tier one contractors from the industry into, the, into Ireland and we showcase Irish capability to them. And we are also running an event in October where we bring a group of Irish companies over to Scotland to Aberdeen in Scotland, which is one of the big centres of the industry. And we're going to have them meet with key Scottish um, people in the offshore wind industry, developers and, and contractors and so on, uh, and help to build a collaboration between those key players in the industry and the Irish supply chain. In terms of skills, what has been done to build a skill base to satisfy the need and demand that this industry will require over the coming years? 
Yeah, it, it, it's a really interesting one. Uh, it is something that, that is being addressed at the moment. Um, we do have um, we do have people like the National Maritime College down in Cork who, who uh, are working on this area. But also in terms of a national picture, there is a task force now established um, to deliver on offshore winds. And one of the key areas they are looking at is around skill sets and, and what we're going to need. So we're going to need people with marine skill sets. We're going to need people with um, high voltage engineering skill sets. We're going to need people even with, with basic things like, well, they're not basic, but we're going to need people with skills around the financial elements, around the you know, uh, marine survey elements. We're going to need um, vessel skippers and, and deckhands. We're going to need... Um, you know, maintenance technicians down the road. Um, so all the, we need to be thinking now about what we need in this industry because the industry is, is four or five years away from starting construction um, on major projects. And we need to build our capability and to have people with the right skill sets ready to go when the industry kicks off here. And finally, Liam, this morning, what role and how important a role will Roster Europort play in assisting the government to achieve its target of producing seven gigawatts of offshore wind energy by 2030? The port will be, I suppose, um, strategically, it's very well located in terms of of what it can do. Uh, It can provide a uh, a construction base for projects not just in the Irish Sea, but also in the Celtic Sea. And what we will see over time is uh, a number of projects uh, inshore along the south coast, but most of the projects on the south coast will be floating projects. So that's something the port will need to adapt to because at the moment um, we don't have a port uh, in the Republic that can actually be, uh, that could work as a construction port for the industry as yet. So the logical stepping stone is the bottom fixed projects in the Irish Sea first, then projects in the Celtic Sea, and then eventually projects off the west coast here. Um, you know, for the majority of projects in the Celtic Sea, and certainly for those off the west coast, what we're looking at is floating offshore wind, and we need bases for those. Uh, and Rosslare uh, would obviously be, you know, like I say, strategically located. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Liam Curran, a senior technologist with Enterprise Ireland. And it's great to see that Ireland is starting to realise its potential in the offshore wind space. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast.